0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Leadership and Professional Development Podcast with Don Gatewood. And I am so excited today. We are going to be talking about a topic that is so very important to each and every single one of us. It's about something that none of us like to pay, but we absolutely have to. And those are taxes. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about taxes. I know many of us are in the process of pulling together our bank statements, our receipts, and more to make sure that we're able to get the biggest return possible and also make sure that we're not getting in trouble with the IRS. So today, to help us facilitate this conversation, I'm super lucky and super excited to have Mr. Extraordinaire Kevin Watts himself here. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I would just like
1: to Congratulate you on starting your podcast. When I heard you that you were doing this, I was just excited to hear and I know to expect big things from you. So when you asked me to come on, I was just honored to to be here. So I look forward to
0: this interview. No, I look forward to it as well. And I think I mentioned to it before, but I'll say it so the listeners can hear. The idea of this podcast is something I have been thinking about for over a year before it actually You know landed in the course in your planning stages, you start thinking about who your guests will be, and I had already decided that Kevin was going to be a guest he didn't know it, but it was already a part of divine order and so i'm happy that is manifested itself today. And i'm even you know super lucky Kevin because I know that you for a while you have worked in a lot of areas, but specifically in the area, in addition to engineering, uh, taxes. And so we there's a lot to talk about today and I just want to get right to it. But before we do though, can you spend just a few moments sharing with the audience exactly who you are, your background, your passions, and kind of what led you to uh, be uh, in this space of, of taxes?
1: Okay, So a little bit about me, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, My background primarily is engineering. I got my bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering, my uh, master's in manufacturing engineering. I have an MBA from the University of Michigan. Um, I started doing taxes probably about 16 years ago. And what started me doing taxes was I went into an office to actually get my taxes done while I was in college. And I watched the lady put the information into the system and I saw how much she charged me for it. And I thought to myself, I can do that. I mean, she did nothing out of the ordinary in my eyes. And that next year I took the class and I started my journey as a tax pre- uh, preparer. Um, from there, I started working as a, a second stream of income at h Block. And my clientele just started to build and my um, my hunger to learn more about taxes started to grow as well as my clientele. So that was me about 16 years ago. And this is me now as a a senior tax preparer for, for the company.
0: Right, because I noticed, I remember when you started the journey uh, many, many years ago, I didn't know it was that many years ago, but I do recall <laughs> you starting the journey. And I do remember seeing the the letters behind your name. And then I looked at the letters now and they have evolved, they've changed. What What do those letters mean? Because, you know, obviously there's different layers to tax preparations. And I would imagine that those layers speak to the different layers of taxes.
1: Yeah. And so what happens at uh, our company is each time you acquire different skills and knowledge sets, you get better, uh, more and more credentials. So as a senior tax professional, I'm able to handle um, more complex returns, including small businesses. Um, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about corporations and partnerships and just an advanced set of um, income taxes. So uh, each year, I try to set myself as a goal of learning something new about income taxes. And with all the recent changes in tax codes, all the recent changes in tax rates, I mean, it's always something new to learn. Uh, we've gone through COVID-19 exemptions, just a lot of different things that have changed over the last couple of years. So the, the knowledge that you need to continue to gain, it is never
0: ending. So, Absolutely. And it's interesting that you have work toward advancing, knowing more about the the area of taxes. And for a lot of us who are growing with our professional goals and aspirations, people are expanding their business aspirations, becoming small business owners, and all of these other goals that put you in a different predicament that you've never been in before so for some of us you know getting just a regular taxes done was sufficient but as you began to be a homeowner have children have your own businesses start having different complicated financial realities a different level of tax preparation is necessary exactly yep now this is it it has to be a really um exciting could you tell me like how is it when you're dealing with uh different customers who have all these different uh uh, tax needs um i mean how do you i mean what is the excitement like when you're dealing with people who come in with really complicated problems or uh, challenges that maybe you've you know never seen before
1: um so i always try to take each client as an individual and try to understand not only um their situation but also their tax goals so you will have some clients that come in and they just want to make sure that they don't owe you have some clients that want to come in and get the biggest refund that they could possibly get that's me proceed okay right and then you have some that already know that they owe so they're just coming in and see hey i know i'm going to owe x amount of dollars but how can we uh lower that amount and so you just have all these different tax needs And then what we do from there is we look at uh, what type of situation they're in. So you talked about some being small business owners. You have clients who started to dibble and dabble in stocks and bonds. So because of that, they're starting to pay things called dividends. Um, You have people that uh, have rental properties. So they're starting to um, they have to pay for those rental properties that they're getting rent off of. But we're, we're learning how to deduct some of the expenses that are associated with that. Um, you have people that are in college who are getting the benefits of educational credits. Um, you have lower income people who have bigger families. So they're benefiting from like the child tax credits and uh, the additional child tax credits. So it's just all type of different situations. But you just try to handle each customer on an individual basis and try to do Um, What's ultimately best for them. And that's usually presenting them with um, the current tax knowledge and using that to maximize their refund or at least letting them break even.
0: So, okay, absolutely. Now, most people began thinking about taxes in January into, I guess, what is it, April? but is that the only option that we have to pay taxes or can we possibly look at paying taxes on a a monthly basis even, or a quarterly basis? Especially for those people who do find themselves owing, do do they have to only pay it once a year?
1: No, so you have options and I tell, and I try to give people all type of examples as far as options are concerned. And what you'll usually see is a lot of small business owners try to exercise these different options based upon the income that they're getting. So usually the, the basic thing for people that wanna avoid paying taxes and they don't have like the W-2 where taxes are taken out each check, um, they'll do what is called quarterly payments. And this is something that's done four times a year. And what happens is you look at your previous year and you kind of estimate what your tax liability was and how much you ended up owing and you'll break that up into four payments. And uh, you pay those four payments throughout the year so that when you come in and get your income taxes uh, filed, you'll have that total amount that you've paid. And we look at what we've estimated for that year of what you owe versus what you've paid. And you hope that that amount that you paid is either more or exactly what what we've calculated. That way you don't owe anything. The other option, of course, is for people who have W-2s who get paychecks from company is just to have a regular taxes taken out each one of your checks. Most people you'll see fall into traps of doing like filing exempt where no taxes are taken out. And usually what will happen is when they come into the office, um, unless they have enough credits to mitigate some of that um, tax liability, they'll usually owe. Um, What I suggest to people um, when they're doing um, payroll taxes is to have Um, enough taken out that still allows you to be comfortable. And when I say be comfortable, comfortable, I'm referring to paying bills, um, having a social life, um, doing whatever kind of savings you want to do or whatever the case may be. So if you're a single person, you definitely want to mark single or one. If you have a family, you want to make sure you include those different exemptions, but you never want to over um, exert yourself as far as taxes are concerned. Because what will happen is when it's time to file, you'll owe.
0: Right. And I think that's really complicated, Kevin. I'm happy you brought that up because I want to spend just a moment going into that area a little bit more regarding the exemptions. Because when most of us start a new job, you go to HR and you fill out all your paperwork, the I-9s, the W-4s, all these different things. And you also are determining your number of exemptions. I've heard a lot of conversations with people say, put one, put two, put zero, put four. How does that even work?
1: OK, so the thing about that is over the last couple of years, the IRS has tried to simplify that whole process. So you still have some companies that do the whole one through ninety nine. I think the number is. But some companies have actually went to a single a married filing joint. Or I think the third one is there's a third option, too. But they've tried to try to simplify it so you don't have as many choices. So for the companies that still do the number system, you want to do you want to fill out your I four to the best of your ability. And there's usually like a series of about 10 questions. And what you do is you answer each question. And based upon your answer, you'll get like a number. And at the at the end of that sheet, you, you total up the number. And that's the number that you usually put on your um, exemption list. The thing to keep in mind with that, though, is. The higher the number, the less amount of taxes that'll be taken from your um, account. Correct. The taxes is when you do that, if you do a lower number, it gives you a chance to re- recoup a lot of the money that you had taken out when you file your taxes. So mm-hmm. if you have a bigger refund, my advice to my clients is to go to lowest number that keeps you comfortable throughout the year. If you're not worried about that, if you want the bigger checks throughout the year, It's okay to go with the higher number, but you have to keep in mind that if you don't have the deductions or the credits to mitigate that that
0: amount, then when you come in and do your taxes, there is a chance that you may owe. Okay, absolutely. Because I know the goal that people have is to they want to pay as little as possible and get back as much as possible. And I think that folks are trying to make decisions, sometimes talking to their friends and making decisions based off these sidebar conversations that may not always be sound advice. And I and I fear that that is kind of one of the first uh, steps that could go wrong when people are prioritizing getting the bigger amount back, but not prioritizing doing the thing that actually is best for you and most accurate for your individual situation, which has nothing to do with your friend's situation. Right. Exactly. And what I always tell my clients is, what we can do and what we offer as a
1: service to them is, we'll walk through a W four with you, and it, it won't go. It will be in effect, for your following tax year. But what we can do is ask you, hey, what are your goals? So I know clients that want a big refund because they may use that money for a vacation. Mm-hmm. They may to buy a new car or something like that. So they want the bigger refund. Again, in that case, my suggestion would be go with the lower number of exemptions. Some clients are like, well, hey, I'm trying to pay through loans throughout the year. I'm trying to Pay my mortgage. I have a family to raise. I can't put away extra money by doing the lower. So they need the bigger checks throughout the year. And my advice to them is bump your exemptions up to your comfortable. But again, my 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 uh <laughs> my words of advice to them after that is you may owe. So keep that in the back of your mind next year when you come in. Don't be surprised by that. So
0: right. So in other words. Although you may get more money back during the year, that could also put you in a predicament of owing more taxes. Right. Okay, Exactly. So yep. it's important to understand that, you know, the benefit on one end may not be a benefit on the other end. Exactly. And, okay. and a lot of people try to learn that's what we call a sweet spot. So it's <laughs> that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, now, let me ask you this question regarding the whole um, the tax bracket. There's a lot okay. of conversation regarding tax bracket and the implication it has on your taxes. So in other words, people, of course, we all are aspiring to make more money and, to <laughs> make, you know, get that raise and get those bonuses. But there appears to be on the flip side when you're making more that you find yourself having to to pay more potentially. Is that true?
1: Yeah. So the thing to keep in mind, and I'm I'm with you, I'm with that generation where the biggest thing is, oh, you're not in my tax bracket or I'm in a bigger tax bracket. (laughs) I always educate my clients on is it's good to be in a higher tax bracket. That means you're making more money at your company. But the the, the thing to keep in mind is a higher tax bracket means you're taxed at a higher tax rate. So the goal is to lower your tax bracket, actually. And you can do that a lot of ways. I mean, we can talk about that later. And that could be a whole different segment. But using credits and deductions to actually lower your tax bracket so that the amount of money that you made is taxed at a lower rate. So you have seven tax brackets, really. Um, And it starts from like 10%, which is the lower tax bracket, to the highest one, which is 37%. And that would be a person making about $500,000 a year. The lower tax bracket would be a person making anywhere from nothing to, I think it's about 10,000. And I don't remember all those numbers because it's something that you could pull up and reference so you don't have to memorize them. But there are seven tax brackets. And I usually see people that um, are anywhere from the lowest up to about um, the fifth category, which is about 32%. But like I said, the thing to keep in mind with those tax bracket is as you go up each bracket... And it's like a span of, of salary. So if like zero to 10,000 might be the first one. I think like 10,000 to about 40,000 might be the second one. Then from like 40,000 to 80,000 is the third one. And then from like 80 to, I think 160 is the fourth one. And it just kind of tears up from there. But what happens is as your income continues to go up, the rate that your tax debt goes up. So it starts at 10%. and it just goes up. But it's based upon how much you make that year.
0: Okay, so if, okay, now this is good. This is good, I'm learning. So let me ask you this. Uh So if I'm in a tax bracket, a listener is in a tax bracket, and let's say they're making, uh, let's say $100,000, okay? Right. And then let's say next year, they get a raise or a promotion, and now they're making a hundred and fifteen thousand. There's an increase of fifteen thousand, and they're still in the technically the same tax bracket. Are they paying the same rate, or is the rate a little bit higher because they're making more? No. So as long as you stay within that same bracket, bracket. okay, the same rate. It's when okay. you go to the next
1: bracket that the rate increases. So, like I said. Um, I think the fourth rate is anywhere between eighty-six and one hundred and sixty thousand. So that's twenty-four percent tax rate. So any income in between there is gonna get twenty-four. The moment you go into that next one, it goes up to thirty-two percent. So you might make one hundred and seventy thousand, but you got to use your credits. You got to use your deductions to try to bring that taxable income down to a different rate. That way you're being taxed at a lower rate and that helps decrease your tax liability, which in turn helps increase your refund.
0: And so, in other words, the challenge for each listener then is to identify if they do have opportunities. As you described, there may be things that you can um, that can be Would you call it writing, writing it off or um would you so yeah and and we can get into that too is you can use credits you can do um itemized
1: deductions you have uh just a lot of different credits that the irs presents on the 1040 that helps lower your tax liability and helps lower that taxable income and that's that's the goal and like so when i'm sitting around and i hear a lot of people talk about oh i'm in a higher tax bracket i'm like well little do you know your taxable the tax rate just went up on you so congratulations. Right. But, oh, a little bit more.
0: <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the benefits to home ownership as well, because yep. I know that when people own homes, you yep. oftentimes have that depreciation of the home. And those yep. types of little techniques like you're describing can mm-hmm. have an impact on a person um, mm-hmm. and, and how it influences their taxes. Yep, yep.
1: So home ownership is a big one. Um, that's why you see a lot of people being encouraged to buy homes, because a lot of things associated with home ownership can be deducted as a, a itemized deduction. The biggest thing is usually your property taxes, the um, mm-hmm. homes, and a lot of property taxes in these bigger cities are expensive. So it becomes
0: a good credit to help, again, lower your taxable income. Okay. Okay. So we learned so far that one of the reasons why people are unfortunately maybe taxed higher is because they make more money. So we all want to make more money, but we need to be aware that we'll be taxed more. Are there other reasons why a person may find themselves being taxed more besides making more money? No, that's really that's really the only thing, I guess. um, it's,
1: It's all it's all about how much you make. So, okay. It's all about how much you yes, make. Okay. Right. If, if you start a business that's a new venture, it might take off and you might start making money all over the place. Again, you got to keep in mind now, there's some set rate that the government or the IRS feels should be paid in taxes based upon your income. So it's all based on upon how much you make and how much you're able to lower your taxable income.
0: Okay. That's that's really good. That's really good to know. And again, you mentioned that itemizing uh, that's one method that people use um, to help identify ways to pay a lower uh, tax uh, rate because you're essentially reducing, you know, the, the amount of money that's being considered to be taxable. Right. So
1: the thing to keep in mind,
0: excuse me, with
1: itemized deductions is there are two there are two type of deductions. Really, There's what's called the standard deduction there's the one that's called the itemized deduction. Within the last couple of years, the IRS has actually increased the standard deductions for single, married, filing, separate, married, filing, joint, head of household to, uh, they've increased the the standard deduction for all those. And this is just a number that the government deems as the amount that should be automatically taken out of your income, and it helps um, reduce the number of, that need to itemize so at once single was like a standard deduction was around six thousand now it's twelve thousand so what that means is and you take the higher of the two so if you're itemizing and you start to itemize your deduction say your um your your taxes on your home is like five thousand you might have donated about two thousand dollars worth of um charitable goods. Uh, You have maybe, let me think, some medical expenses that may be $1,000. So right now I'm at $8,000 worth of itemized deductions on this side as a single man. On on this side, though, the government says as a standard deduction for a single person, we're going to give you $12,000. So what we're doing is you, you take the higher of the two. So in that case, the standard deduction will be higher meaning you don't need to itemize you don't need to get all these documents you don't need to do all these different things just take the standard deduction now say for instance you had a bad year for example and you find yourself in the hospital a lot um maybe you had to do some kind of alterations to your house because you injured your foot or something like that and you may have gotten about ten thousand dollars worth of medical expenses you still got the same five thousand in property taxes. Now your itemized deductions are fifteen thousand, where your standard deduction is only twelve. So in that case, it makes more sense to go with the itemized deduction. About itemized versus standard, though, is the itemized deductions can be more beneficial because once you come up with this larger number, it increase it decreases your tax liability, which is what we're always trying to do. Correct the government can always come back and say, prove it. Let us see the $10,000 worth of medical expenses. Let us see the $5,000 worth of real estate taxes. Let us see the $2,000 worth of um, uh, charitable donations. Let us see, you know, so you have to show all of that. The standard deduction is easy because that's what they give you. So you think about that when you choose in which one you want to use again, that You go with the higher one, but keep in mind by itemizing, you open up the door
0: for scrutiny from the IRS. Right. And so that's called an audit, people. Right. <laughs> it's <called> an audit, <laughs> And, you know, many of us know a little bit of something about an audit or two from yeah. the IRS. So it's, it's extremely important that when people are making decisions about itemizing and all these deductions, that those itemizations are based on fact that can be supported by receipts, supported yep. by bank statements, supported okay. by invoices, um, and not things that we you know m- you know maybe make because. up or inflate <laughs> right because if the irs decides to audit and they do make decisions to audit uh one question i do want to ask you though is are there there's a word around town that there are red flags that can make the irs w- wanting to maybe audit you more um is that concept of a red flag true and if so what are they
1: so that's always kind of been like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of been like a a fable, like a what, like a unwritten rule. Like people will say that all the time. Like you did that, that was a red flag. So I I've never seen like a list of like an official list from the IRS that says these are the things that it get you audited. Two things to keep in mind though, um, there are some things that just look suspect on on on, on returns. <laughs> and what so, might those be? So, things I see. <laughs> so, there are people that'll say they make X amount of money, but pay a certain amount of rent. So, and the, the amount of rent multiplied by 12 months is close to whatever they said their income was. So, in the IRS's eyes, it's like, well, if your rent totaled $10,000 over the whole year, but you only made twelve thousand the year. Are you trying to tell us that you only lived on two thousand dollars, which would be the difference? Stuff like that. Just it. You have to read through it and like just make sure it logically makes sense. You know. Right. So stuff like that, and then you'll see people inflating things, like you said. So you'll see a lot of people inflating donations. So you'll see people saying that they donated ten thousand dollars worth. Like, what did you donate for ten thousand dollars? Like you gave. So you may say $60,000, but you donated 10 of that. So you donated one sixth of your, you know what I'm saying, of your right. income to an organization. So things like that can be red flags. Right,
0: right. So honesty, honesty matters. And I encourage yeah. and I can't say loud enough that, you know, when doing the taxes, you know, being as honest and uh, clear and being able to uh, support whatever it is that you're claiming is is absolutely e- essential. Because like you said, there's no official list, but there clearly are some things that they may be looking at that may say, hmm, how about we look into this a little bit more? And if we happen yeah. to be on that little fun list, we wanna be able to support, because otherwise we'll end up having to pay back what, what we received anyway, with interest. I was just about to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> with That's... interest. And that interest is pretty, pretty st- Pretty stiff. It's not. Yeah. And they'll
1: they'll assess penalties and interest. And what happens is usually if you're not able to pay it all back at one time and you set up a plan and you just keep going on, the interest is continually accruing on what you owe. And you're just breaking it up it's almost like having a credit card <laughs>
0: correct correct and, it, and just because you don't respond to the letters or you don't open them the interest is still accruing so yep. they're not saying oh we haven't reached you so we're only going to start this when we make contact no mm-hmm. they're a, yep. they're doing the interest right away right yep and so that's that's something that i i'm very aware of and and it's something that we all should be aware of as we're decision making regarding how we'll handle uh any of these situations that we may come across now let me ask you a question kevin i A lot of us here, folks like Kevin, uh, Kevin, um, we like to be Kevin Bezos, but um, um, (laughs) Jeff Bezos. um, (laughs) Many people like Jeff Bezos and these other super rich people. We hear this tale of them not paying any taxes. You know, we know they have companies, but the way it's framed is they don't pay taxes. They don't pay taxes. They don't pay taxes. So if they aren't paying taxes, why the heck do I have to pay them? And they make a gazillion times more than me. So what is that a myth? Is it the case that these folks? really aren't paying taxes? And if so, can I become one that doesn't pay taxes too? So the thing to keep in mind about these billionaire companies
1: um, that avoid taxes, you'll hear a lot about, and I don't want to even mention his name, but Trump and a lot of the bigger businesses, (laughs) eBay and taxes, they use a lot of write-offs, credits, and just different, um, within the rules of tax law, to uh, to lower their income all the way down to 0 and from that their tax rate is on 0 so anything times 0 is 0 but they'll use things like um they'll write off the, the well the first thing you'll see any businessman do or any business woman do is they'll start a charitable fund so that's usually like the biggest thing they'll do and you can look at some of the famous people like I think Candy Burris is one of that she does a whole candy cares and this is like uh something that her business uses as a write-off to do donations. I see her do like Turkey drives, but you'll see a lot of businesses, the first thing they do is set up like a a donation or a a charitable organization. The next thing you'll see them do is they'll write off as many business expenses as they possibly can. And this can be through equipment that they purchase for the company. Um, They'll take advantage of, trips, they'll take advantage of advertising costs. I mean, just anything associated with running their business. Again, the goal is to reduce whatever income that they made that year all the way down to zero if possible, or as low as possible, again, so that they're taxed at a lower rate. That's always the thing to keep in mind when it comes goal. to go. Okay. And that's from even both
0: a business side or an individual side as well. Okay. Okay. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Okay. Gotcha. Now regarding tax preparation, you mentioned that you got into the business over 16 years ago and you obviously have faithful clients that come in and I'm sure new ones every year, but there mm-hmm. is a segment of people who choose to do their taxes um, for themselves. I remember growing up, my dad, he would do his taxes himself. So mm-hmm. what is the criteria that a person should be looking at when trying to determine if they should do their taxes themselves, or if they should hire someone like you uh, who is qualified uh, to do the taxes? So the things that I tell a person to keep in mind when deciding whether
1: or not to get their taxes professionally done or to do a self-prep is basically your knowledge base. Um, Easy returns and what I call easy, they're usually just a W-2 and grabbing like some TurboTax software and just putting it in. But as you as you complicate your return and you start to do, like I said, maybe rental property, self-employment, stocks and bonds, dividends, things like that, you may need to either and if you don't have the time to learn the tax laws and do the research, it might be more to your advantage to go somewhere and get them. Properly done. The thing about it is, um, the laws that go into effect one year may change that next year as well. So, if you're willing to educate yourself on the new laws, if you're willing to go that step forward and um, take the time to actually give yourself a proper return, I say go for it. The thing to keep in mind, though, is when you do them yourself, if you mess up or you do something wrong, you usually end up going to somewhere professional anyway. And because they didn't originally prepare your return and they're trying to fix mistakes or do things like that, it'll cost you extra. So it might be to your advantage. You know, if you're dipping into something new to try to go somewhere professional and kind of bypass, you know, the whole situation, because if you mess up, the IRS doesn't care. They're not they don't care if you did it as a you know, this is your first time doing them or whatever. All they see is a mistake. They see underrepresentation or they just see a mistake and they want the cor- the, the item corrected immediately and whatever tax you know implication that has whether you owe more or whatever they want their money now so they don't care who did it they just see the mistake so you just got to keep that in mind when deciding
0: right i know for me personally i've made the decision until i'm no longer here that i will have <laughs> someone prepare uh, my taxes on my behalf i find mm-hmm. the tax preparation process to be you know obviously for those who can do it you know it's not hard i mean you know what you're doing but for me i don't and right. i do not want to make a mistake or misunderstand the placing of a zero or a two mm-hmm. and somehow i'm in a scenario where i'm overwhelmed and i'm mm-hmm. fighting like mm-hmm. uh, bruce lee to get out of a situation no yep. sir so for yeah. me, I have decided that I will never uh, prepare my taxes, but that is a choice that people have to make. But to your point, if you are going to do it, it's something that should be taken serious and you should be as knowledgeable as possible and updated. Because as you just mentioned, the, the laws, they change, the, the, the codes, the policy, they can change from year to year. And those changes are essential for you to know in order to keep yourself in the safest and best possible uh position now for people who are in relationships and have a, a spouse maybe a husband or wife uh, they're i've heard tell of there being joint tax preparation is that something that is necessary if you're in a in a relationship or marriage or can people still uh, do their taxes separate
1: so the thing to keep in mind with this and this is always like a big taboo in a tax world is there are only four real filings. So there's a single, there's, you're either single or married. That's it. There's no in between. If you're single, or if, you're, if you're single, you file single. If you're married, you have two options. You have the options to file married filing jointly or married filing separately. So what happens with a married filing joint filing is you put both the incomes together, you get a higher standard deduction, which we talked about earlier, unless you itemize and get a higher. You know, deduction that way, but you get a higher standard deduction, or you file married filing separately, in which y'all you two are married, but you file separate returns. That usually results in some credits that are lost. But what you'll see, and this is not something that I'm suggesting, is that you'll see couples that are married still filing separate. They'll file one will file single, one may file head of household, but technically. In the eyes of the IRS, if you're married, you should be filing married. So, from there, what people decide to do Mm. on their kind of up to them. But as a professional tax preparer who studied the tax code, it's single, married,
0: or head of household. Right. Well, that's interesting because I know a lot of folks who are listeners to this show are also fans of the housewives. Housewives of Potomac, and I believe there's a character named Karen Hewler who is married and has a husband, and there was a moment where there was some tax troubles or apparent troubles, and there was this conversation about there being a separate uh, taxes, And, and so I think that, you know. There are people who, despite that fact that they're married, they choose to uh, do, do things separate, especially if their spouse has these complicated scenarios mm-hmm. off to the side and they want absolutely no parts of. I you, Yeah. And I and and there are ways around
1: that. There are things called the injured spouse or innocent spouse forms. And what it does is it'll take a married, violent, joint couple and if one of them has some kind of garnishment, whether it be student loans, um, alimony, um, black child support, or in his case, I don't know what he had going on, but I know he had some debt that he was trying to clear up. they sometimes are able to protect one of the other spouse and they're part of the refund and they'll still get it. But it's not always guaranteed. So in that case, I can't understand why she did that. So,
0: yeah, okay. I know that do it, though, but. Right. Right. No, is not my professional advice. To- and I appreciate that. That's why we're talking <laughs> to you, the professional, because sometimes we're out here making unprofessional, unadvised <laughs> decisions. And then right. Right. you're wondering what happened. Well, what yeah. happened was you didn't know what you were doing. Exactly. You weren't informed. That's right. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll get
1: people getting married and getting into relationships or marriages where you know they probably know everything that they think they know about the person they're married but they didn't know that this they never paid some student debt back years ago when they didn't finish college or they Mm, finished
0: mm, mm, mm.
1: you know so and, and and once once you file together everything is fair game for uh debts and stuff like that that are associated with the federal government so student loan debt. You know, if we if, you know, you get married and there's this twelve thousand dollar refund that you you all are so happy to get. But your spouse has a ten thousand dollar debt that's out there. They can take that ten thousand out of that twelve and you would only get some of it back. But it's all fair game once, you know, once it's filed. So,
0: yeah. 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 Now. And I have one final question for you, Kevin. OK. Now, So many of us are. Leaning into the idea of small business ownership, folks are looking to become entrepreneur and doing so many amazing things, which is so good to see. For a person who is not only working the traditional work with the you know W for you know the regular um, tax setup, but also have yep. their own businesses, mm-hmm. what recommendation do you have? tax wise, they have their regular job, but they also have these small businesses. How do you manage those two different entities? Okay.
1: So the thing to keep in mind when you start off your sole proprietorship journey is the first thing you have to come into that you have to decide is, are you doing a sole proprietorship? Meaning it's just me. Um, I'm going into this basket weaving business. It's about to flourish. I'm about to do this all by myself. Will I have a partnership? That means me and another entity will be working together as a partnership or will I be creating this huge corporation? Usually corporations are created overnight. A lot of these things always start off as like a sole proprietorship, but um, for people that start off as that sole proprietorship, initially you would uh, go with what is called a Schedule C, which is just, hey, this is my business. This is how much I earned in income. And these are the things that I'm going to deduct that I need in order to maintain my business or keep my business going so I can deduct this out of my income. And it all is put on different forms, but it all flows back to your um, 1040, which is your main form that you use to file your return. The good thing to keep in mind with sole proprietorship, though, is that You can write off a lot of things. Like um, you can write off um, the use of your home Uh, if you're doing some businesses at your home. You can write off a part of your utilities that are associated with doing those businesses. Um, You can start to look at different things that you need. Say, if you need um, your car to help um, advertise or uh, use your car to make deliveries, I mean, whatever you're using, you can write it off. Thing um that I also tell people about uh startup companies, and you you and it's no secret that in the first couple of years of most businesses, a lot of businesses don't make any money. They usually actually go in the red. Right. And that flows over from a situation like that is it you you start off the first couple of years with a negative. And what that negative does is it'll it'll flow over into the income that you're making from your regular job. And again, what you're doing, you're lowering your tax liability. So if I made, and I'm just using numbers here, 20000 on my job, and I tried to start up this business, and in the first year, I lost 5000 now I'm only going to be taxed on 15000 instead of the whole 20000 So things like that you have to keep in mind. And the, the biggest thing also with um, self-employment is, again... You have to keep your receipts and you want to try to keep everything as separate as possible. So if you start in a business, get a business account. Don't do all your your transactions through your personal account. Start a business account. Um, Keep up with anything associated with that business as far as receipts and start that from day one. Even if it's a folder or a box that you just put everything associated with the business in. So when it comes time that next year to file your taxes, You basically uh, have a record of everything that you did that year. It makes it easier for the tax the tax uh prepare. One thing that I absolutely hate, and I call it the shoebox customer or the (laughs) shoe, it's a client that comes in with a shoebox full of receipts and they sit on the table. And mind you, this is the receipts for over 12 months of activity. And they sit on my table and they say, Here are all my write-offs. you have to do better than this
0: you have to do better than this
1: so. <laughs> you, this cannot <laughs> be
0: life we'll people do
1: it. right we'll do it but i'm gonna charge you for that so <laughs> right
0: right yeah yeah i think people may take that literal it's like yeah keep the receipts but also when it's time to do your taxes organize them possibly put them on yep. a spreadsheet so we can easily yep. calculate them we are not and the receipts keep- around and. Uncrinkling them right. exactly. and exactly. The other <laughs> thing to keep in mind with that situation
1: too with creating the spreadsheet and stuff is if by chance the IRS acts for proof or the IRS acts has more acts for more information, i.e. an audit, you'll have everything in a format that is um uh, presentable to them because you can't you can't take the shoebox to the IRS. They're no.
0: not right. It. So right.
1: absolutely
0: might as well get it all together right now. You might as well. Kevin, Kevin, thank you so much. This has been a masterclass. Thank you so <laughs> very much. And if the people want to reach out to you, how might they do that? So I'm going to give them, and I thought about this when you told me about this,
1: I'm going to give them my Instagram and they can okay. hit me with messages. And it's a professional one, pretty professional. So it's uh, Forever Watts, that's F O R E V E R, Watts, W A T T S underscore N B A. So forever watts, underscore NBA on Instagram, and if you have any questions or just just need some uh, tips on your taxes, just send me a message. Um, and again, thank you for having me on. This was um, a breath of fresh air. I haven't seen you in a while, and right. it's just to it's just kick knowledge and um, just talk to, talk about my passion with people and answer any questions that I can. And I
0: hope you got something from this, and I hope the viewers did too. Oh, oh, they did. Absolutely. And we're not <laughs> done because we have some more questions for you, Kevin, but more on the on the fun side. But let me just. OK, say OK. Um, I, he did give his email for questions, um, not free tax preparation. <laughs> exactly. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there because I know exactly. how we do. We misunderstand things on purpose sometimes. Uh, you did not hear free tax, free tax preparation. I just right. want to make a small little point, okay? Okay. Because I'm an <laughs> invoice anything coming in. As soon as the message come in, I'm starting the clock. So <laughs> to be clear, okay. Now, now, Kevin, with all of my guests, I like to play a game called This or That, where I ask you a question and you let us know which one you would choose. So, okay, that's a simple game, right? All right. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> Atlanta or Las Vegas? Vegas. Okay. And that's because what is more fun and stuff? More gambling? Yeah. I,
1: Vegas is like one of my favorite cities in the United States. I think I can go to Vegas a hundred times and never do the same thing twice. That's true. Um, that's true. yeah. I love Vegas. The only time I don't like Vegas is
0: like in the dead summer, just because it's just too hot. But okay. Vegas anytime. Okay. Next question. White Castles. Or Crystal's Burgers? Oh, so because I'm from Detroit, I'm going to have
1: to pick White Castle's. But I will say Crystal's is a close second because whenever I'm in the South, I definitely have to go to Crystal's after a, a, a night
0: of fun, of partying. So, okay. OK, but White Castle's. White Castles. Okay. Extra Pickles. Extra Pickles. Wow. Okay. We have a specific order. Like, wait a minute. I need some Extra Pickles. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, this is so petty. Uh, Nicki Minaj or Cardi B? Nicki. Okay. 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 So, I take it that you appreciate the two new songs she came out with. I think she came out with uh, the uh, Lil Baby. She had two new yep, songs. Yep. I take it that you... Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I'm a diehard. I like both of them. Don't get me wrong. But... I'm a Young Money fan and I I like the old Nicki Minaj. So,
0: yeah. Okay, okay. And the final question in this segment is a different world or living single? Definitely a different world. Um, I think that that
1: show was the reason I went to college. If it was it was not, not only was it the reason I went to college, it was the reason why I, I joined a fraternity. It was the reason why I aspire to be an engineer. I think that show was like uh, a blueprint for me. Like it it made me want to go to school. It made me want to get an education. It made me just want to do a lot of different things. It's just so they didn't get their flowers for that show. No, they did not. Mr. I, I believe,
0: you didn't get the show. You no, know, yeah. I believe that yeah. um, A Different World is one of the most important shows that has, has ever been created. Um, yeah. And it yeah. is certainly at the very, very top of, of my list. It was, it was funny. It was inspirational. It motivated yes. me. Yes. The writing was good. Everything about the show was just really, really good. So I certainly could understand why you, why you mm-hmm. selected that show. And it
1: evolved.
0: It evolved. It, it, evolved. Like, it, it, evolved. it started and it evolved
1: over how, what, ACs. Maybe? I think eight seasons. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I love that show.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Aretha Franklin, she did like the, uh, the opening song. And I mm-hmm. mean, Aretha Franklin is a Detroiter. So of course you had yes. to go with a different <laughs> there, there were no options here. Okay. Exactly. So now, Kevin, I know that you are, you health and wellness is important for you. I know you wake up, you work out, get your mind right before you go into the office. Let us know what are some songs, a song or two that you have recently added to your playlist? um definitely the new Nicki Minaj has been
1: added to my playlist um but you know what I have one of those weird playlists where it just kind of just selects random songs on Spotify and at any moment it, it it cycles between Chris Brown Usher and a lot of those type of songs so when I'm in the gym you know I could be listening to something real slow like um Usher is it 84 that that cd we let it burn and all that stuff or it could go to like uh chris brown um run it or something like this so it's it's just a a a whole melody
0: of different r&b tracks by those two so okay okay well i've added i go back sometimes with my playlist and i recently Uh added get right by j-lo okay okay And I also just recently added uh, Conceited by Remy Ma.
1: Reason.
0: Ah. <laughs> so I added some old school tracks, which I must do uh-huh. to get yeah. yeah. the energy yeah. that I need uh, to make it through the workout that I sometimes don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Especially cardio. It, exactly. Especially oh. cardio. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. This has been a wonderful, wonderful show. I appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Um, Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot. I know our guests, they've learned a lot and definitely I'm going to challenge all of my guests to share this episode uh, with your network um, because not only do I want people to know about the podcast, Leadership and Professional Development with Don Gatewood. But more importantly, I really do want all of us to be informed with the information with our taxes. Taxes are serious. They are important. And it doesn't matter how much money you're making. So we all want to make more money if we're not managing it correctly or we're having to give it all back because we've filed our taxes incorrectly. We want to make sure that in every way that we are moving forward uh, productively and tax knowledge and preparation is such a vital part of that professional development and leadership Growth. I just cannot say that enough. And thank you so much for shedding light on this very important topic, Kevin. And I can't wait to have you back really, really soon.
1: Right. Okay. Look forward to it. Right.
0: Thank you. All right. You. And so, for everybody, again, thank you so much for listening to the show. I look forward to uh, seeing you next week. Make sure that you like and rate the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at gatewooddon at gmail.com. And until then, you all have a wonderful week. And we are out. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah.